0: morning, brothers and sisters, we may turn in Holy Scripture to the New Testament. We turn to the Gospel according to Luke. Luke chapter 9, where we begin reading at verse 51, and we read into chapter 10, verse 20. Luke 9, verse 51, to chapter 10, verse 20. And after we've read from God's Word, we'll sing in response Psalm 49, stanzas 1, 4, and 5. Here in Luke 9, the Word of God speaks as follows. When the days drew near for him, that's the Lord Jesus, to be taken up, And they went on to another village. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Leave the dead to bury their own dead, but as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. eat what is set before you, heal the sick in it, and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable in the judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum... Will you be exalted to heaven? You shall be brought down to Hades. The one who hears you, hears me. And the one who rejects you, rejects me. And the one who rejects me, rejects him who sent me. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. text for the sermon of this morning is taken from Luke chapter 10, the verses 38 to 42. Luke 10, beginning at verse 38. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. After we've heard from God's word, we'll sing in response. Psalm 119, stanza 22. Loved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, it's not uncommon for you to hear people say that each year goes faster than the previous one. You've possibly said that yourself for any number of reasons. Perhaps your family has grown, your responsibilities at your work have increased, or you've involved yourself more in church life. Maybe it's the breakneck speed of communications. You're trying to keep up, trying to move as fast as the images and the emails that cross the screens in your life. We find that life can turn into a bit of a blur. We have to eat, we have to work, run errands, make phone calls, exercise. We might have Bible study, we might have to pick up our kids from school, there might be a church meeting. There might be homework, there might be doctor's appointments, we have to fix this, we have to repair that. It's the hustle and bustle that can get to us and we get frustrated because there are just not enough hours in the day. Then you come to church this morning and we have this text before us which might potentially just frustrate you some more. It sounds like Mary is supposed to be our example here, not Martha. That we know, on the other hand, that we can't be reading the Bible or listening to sermons all day long. We have to get our hands dirty with other things. We're aware from church history how some have tried to solve this dilemma. Our text itself has been used in the Roman Catholic tradition to defend the monastic kind of life. Martha represents the busy, the active, the involved life. Mary, the reflective, the contemplative, devotional life. But We're not really forced to walk away from this text with the impression that Mary did nothing else throughout her life. Mary's time out just isn't possible as a way of life, nor for that matter is the Lord Jesus recommending that for our consideration. Instead, you and I hear from the mouth of our Lord that only one thing is necessary. Mary over Martha has learned and has chosen this. She had one priority, something before anything and everything else. It's one simple thing, and it is to be the Christian's top priority. Without it, your life limps along without true blessing. With it, your life moves forward from strength to strength. To see what this one priority is and how it is so essential... I'm going to preach to you God's Word in the following way. The Lord declares the one thing needed or necessary, listening to Him. We'll see that this listening is in the first place cumbered or hindered by much serving. Secondly, it's commended as the one good portion. So first, this listening is cumbered by much serving. The Lord Jesus is making his way down from Galilee to Jerusalem. He's been busy preaching the kingdom of God as we read together and performing miracles as proof that he was sent from God with a specific mission. And that mission included Jerusalem as the destination, but not the final destination. As we read in Luke 9, verse 51, which is a key text in Luke's account, when the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. Now to our ears that are quite accustomed to hearing about the centrality of the cross, of Christ's atonement for sin, those words might be a bit surprising. But in Luke, we find that the focus is placed on Christ's ascension. Christ will be victorious over the serpent, so his ascension into heaven is a guarantee. Jerusalem, as ground zero for his suffering, is not his final destination. That's the right hand of God, where he will be crowned. King of Kings. So Luke places Christ's travels to Jerusalem, to the cross, in the light of his ascension. His ascension, we need to know, relates to his work as king. Whereas his death belongs to his priestly work. So the Lord went on his way to Jerusalem with kingdom expansion On his mind. It's what we find at the beginning of chapter 10. The Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. They go out, heal the sick, cast out demons, and preach the gospel, which consisted of the message you read in verse 9 The kingdom of God has come near to you. This is about kingdom expansion. The king was none other than Christ. In the preaching of the gospel we read brought results. Verse 17, the 72 return with joy and they say, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. They were overjoyed. And the Lord gives validity to their joy. Verse 18, he, sa- he says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Christ's kingdom is overtaking the evil one. His authority, shared with his disciples, imparted to his disciples, is more powerful than the power of serpents, of scorpions, yes, of the devil and all of his hosts, that ancient serpent. so we come to our text, where we immediately see the relevance of all this. The activity of our text happens, verse 38, as they, Jesus and his disciples, went on their way. That is, their way to Jerusalem. And we can be sure that all who were providentially scheduled to host the Lord Jesus knew this was the case. Seventy-two had been sent ahead of him into every town and place where he himself was about to go. That included the town and place where Martha lived. So Jesus was not unknown to his hosts. They would have known something of his story, his attempts at kingdom expansion. But let's then consider the text before us. Even though Luke doesn't mention it, Martha and Mary are connected to the town of Bethany, which was less than two miles east of Jerusalem. Our text gives us the impression that this is Martha's house and Mary is visiting. In this particular village, the task has fallen on Martha to ensure that Jesus' visit went smoothly. And, well, the impression that we get from our text and elsewhere is that Martha has a real knack for hospitality. She's the hostess with the mostest. So the scene unfolds before our eyes. Martha hears from one of those pairs of disciples that, Lord, that the Lord is coming to town, and her domestic instincts kick in. There was a lot of work involved in making him and those who are with him, his disciples, comfortable. Any woman who has ever welcomed a crowd of guests into her home knows all that needs to be done. After welcoming the guests and ensuring that they are comfortable, comfortably seated, Martha has to go into the kitchen to put together the things expected from a hostess. She's got to cook, dice, mince, Filet, bake, you name it. This is not just for one guest, but for a group of guests needing to spend the night here. So she also has to organize bedding, plan ahead for breakfast tomorrow. Martha's got her work cut out for her. But she opens her home. She loves the Lord and she wants to help him. She's going to do whatever she can for him. But it's just a heap of work. How will I ever be able to do all this? What am I going to do for appetizers? Who's going to prepare the salad? Who's going to set the table? Do the dishes? What do we serve for dessert? Do I have enough chairs? To top it all off, Martha is doing all of this herself. She's running around trying to ensure everything's going to work out just right. Turns out she has a sister, Mary. And what's Mary doing? Well, while Martha is busy getting everything ready, Mary's in the living room. She's sitting at the Lord's feet and listening to what he said. We can imagine from the moment that Mary heard the Lord Jesus is coming, only one thought was on her mind. To sit at someone's feet means not only attention, but also submission. She badly wanted to listen to her Lord. She didn't want to miss a word. And what would she have been listening to? I suspect she wasn't talking about the weather. I imagine it would have something to do with the kingdom. This and other visits like it were the Lord's chance to teach and answer questions about what the coming of the kingdom really meant. Mary takes full advantage of this. While she is hearing about kingdom expansion, Martha steps into the room. She stands in front of Jesus all in a huff, and she blows her stack. Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. In all honesty, we are sympathetic with Martha. We would have almost expected that shortly after Jesus' arrival, after the pleasantries at the door, Mary would help pitch in in the, ki- in the kitchen. But that doesn't happen. So we can appreciate that Mary's absence from the kitchen ticks Martha off. There is a time for learning, yes. There's a time for worship, but surely this isn't it. No one's going to get their food if you are going to sit here listening instead of helping. This is how Martha feels. That's how many of us would probably feel. We need people who love to work hard, who love to serve. Strikingly, however, brothers and sisters, we do not find any negative evaluation of Mary's behavior. Instead, we hear something negative about Martha. In verse 40, we read that Martha was distracted with much serving. You see, Martha wanted to work hard for her Lord. She wanted to serve. That word for serving here generally has a positive connotation. It's the same word used for the task of the deacons as servants of Christ. Diakonia. Martha was completely wrapped up in Diakonia. And yes, in itself, this is a good work. It's good service. She was doing important things. She was serving. She wanted to prepare everything for her guests. Everything had to be perfect for the coming king of Israel. That she wanted to serve the Lord was commendable. And her love for him cannot be questioned. The problem? She was overdoing it. She lost her focus and she failed to see what was most important in the visit of the Lord Jesus and his disciples. Her attention to her Lord was distracted. We have the impression that she tried to listen to him. She wanted to do one thing, but she couldn't settle because she knows that there's all sorts of work that has to be done. Her attention was, in other words, divided. Her fault was not that she served, but that she grew cumbered, distracted with much serving. She forgot her Lord and only remembered the service. She's so distracted that as a result, she has deprived herself of the benefits of Christ's visit. She couldn't listen to his teaching. Service becomes an end in itself when it loses its lifeline to the word which nurtures, feeds service. Service falls prey to the anxieties and the cares of this life and becomes a service of slavery. It becomes more about serving ourselves, keeping up the appearances we need to. And that's what happens with Martha. You and I get to hear what happens inside her heart. While Mary listens to the gospel, Martha gets irritated and angry. She's convinced Mary is wrong. Mary should not be sitting there and listening to the Lord, but should be helping in the kitchen. And an emotional outburst follows. She doesn't quietly signal to Martha to, come, to Mary to come. She doesn't whisper Mar- Mary's name. No, she makes quite the scene. She avoids Mary interrupts Jesus' conversation and asks him, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work myself? Tell her to help me. You can't get any more awkward than that. Martha's question reveals all her cards, intending to force Jesus to take her side. She seems perturbed with him, abandoned by him, He's totally fed up. In her opinion, he's rather insensitive to what's happening. He seems to be encouraging Mary to neglect her domestic duties. Brothers and sisters, how easy it can become to get distracted, even when serving the Lord. You're supposed to be active in the service of the Lord, in the nuts and the bolts of congregational life. You want to show your love for the Lord, after all. And so you get involved in the various activities. You attend Bible study. You participate in Young People Society. You go to catechism class. Many projects and activities are organized But these very actions, these very things can distract us from the Lord himself. We can get so caught up in doing our best to get involved that we may very well forget the very reason why we are to be involved. Ultimately, it's to listen to the Lord. You can be a member of the church for 5, 15, or 50 years Involve yourselves in many things and still struggle to really know who your God is. You can know a lot about him and still not know him. What makes his heart tick? That takes time. That takes investment. That takes the right priorities. Listening comes first brothers and sisters that's what the Lord wants the Lord doesn't want service in the first place service that hinders that distracts he wants listeners who know we need to receive salvation from the Lord more than anything else that's our second point where we see that listening is commended as the one good portion What is a suitable response to Martha's meltdown? The Lord answers with tenderness, Martha, Martha, that's a very gentle response. And he continues, not by tearing a strip off her hide for having mixed up priorities. No, he paints a picture of a woman who has good intentions. You are worried and troubled about many things. The New English Bible translates, You are fretting and fussing about many things. Take note, brothers and sisters. The Lord here does not take sides. He doesn't tell one sister to be more like the other. He doesn't disapprove of Martha's service as such. That was the fruit of her love for him. So we can't go around saying that our text teaches the Lord disapproves of good housekeeping. Rather, the Lord disapproves of something else. It was Martha's attitude shown in her condemnation of Mary and her frustration with the Lord that had to be rebuked and corrected. For even though Christ does speak here with concern, his words still have some bite to them you see what we find here is we find our lord speaking to the leader of this household taking control here he truly is the master he speaks here as lord as king he's on his way to his throne after all so must he really now spend this night in the middle of some sibling rivalry? Does he have to really mediate between these two? He's on his way to Jerusalem, on his way to heaven, to the right hand of God. Martha even acknowledges Christ as king, as Lord, she says. But well, it's this knowledge of hers that makes the Lord set her straight. Martha, right now you are worried about all kinds of things, food, cutlery, dishes, bedding, but only one thing is needed. Remember, Martha, the kingdom of God has come. That kingdom frees you up from anxiety and worry, from fretting and fussing. You're not to be concerned with many things that man worries about. Only one thing is to be the ultimate focus of your heart, Martha. In the kingdom of God, I am concerned with one central thing. And what is that? It's what Mary chose to listen to Jesus' instruction without allowing herself to become distracted. Mary has chosen that good portion. Again, Christ is not comparing here. He's not encouraging rivalry here. Martha isn't doing anything bad. His point is simply that Mary has chosen what is good. And that expression, the good portion, has the sense, the overtone of the good meal, the right meal, which fits the context so well. The Lord here is unquestionably speaking about his word, that good, right, spiritual food. Deuteronomy 8, verse 3, Moses writes, The Lord humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Psalm 119, verse 57, The Lord is my portion. I promise to keep your words. Brothers and sisters, the Lord Jesus' point here is not that listening to him is a better portion than preparing a meal for him. Rather, this one thing is the good portion. Listening to every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. The one thing necessary is to listen to the word of God through the ministry of Jesus Christ, to hear what Jesus has to say about salvation, about the kingdom of God. So while Martha was busy preparing one meal, Mary was already enjoying a feast on the one thing worth eating, the word of Jesus Christ. Listening is commended as the one good portion. Mary was further ahead than Martha here. And the Lord points this out. She knew he was going to be with them for only a short while. So she heeded the call to listen while the word was present. She understood the urgency of Hearing the living proclamation of the gospel while it was still available. Christ says that is then something that will not be taken away from her. Though it is good to serve like Martha did, much busyness, even in the church, is temporary. What never perishes is the fruit of sitting at Christ's feet to learn, to grow. To worship, The one thing necessary is to listen to God and learn from Him. He's not going to take that away from you. Brothers and sisters, we live after Christ's ascension. We live, in other words, in the final era of the kingdom of God before Christ comes back that means that the urgency of Christ's words for Mary and for Martha is even stronger for us. We know today the answer to Martha's question. We know that Mary made the proper choice and was commended for it. Listening is the one good portion. Again, the Lord certainly doesn't look down on a life of service and diaconia In his rebuke of Martha, service has its place. She is doing good. But what's the lesson for Martha? That she is so busy with serving up dinner that she deprived herself of listening to what Christ had to serve up. Before she is an organizer, she needs to be a listener. Listener. As one commentator puts it, the disciple who feasts on Jesus' teaching receives a meal that is never removed. Martha thought she knew what Jesus cared about, but she didn't, or she wasn't listening. The Lord wants her to realize that He is the one who wants to give to her something the bread of eternal life, and that this was more important than whatever she had to offer him. This would have made a deep impression upon Martha. Beyond serving, there is one thing necessary. Well, then, brothers and sisters, let it also be clear here that Christ is not hereby endorsing idleness in praise of his, in his praise of mary for that's the other extreme you cannot go on little involved in church life and say well i don't want to get too into things here i'm really more a mary than a martha after all because then we can mis we can easily mistake laziness for godliness doing lots can distract but doing nothing is not right either No, brothers and sisters, let's not think this text is a summons to a contemplative Christian life in a monastery. No, we are listeners. Our text is very down to earth. Sit at the feet of the Lord and listen. And every week begins this way, of course, with you listening to the Lord. Sundays set the tone for your week. So evaluate your life. You can be active in many things. You can be there whenever something needs to happen in the church. But the question always remains for us, is listening and learning our top priority? If you were to videotape a week of your life, what would that reveal as the good portion in your life. Cleaning the house, posting on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, checking your smartphone whenever it buzzes, beeps, or flashes, catching your favorite sports team, I'll make no mistake about it, we do have a list of things to do and get done, but is sitting at the feet of your Lord the good portion? Your king wants to strengthen you, refine you, He comforts you when you need it. He also rebukes you when you need it, like he did to his disciple, Martha. He does all of this and more in his word. For it is the word of life. And what you receive by listening will not be taken away. As Christ says to Martha, busyness is... It's temporary. What remains are Christ's words. If you hear the gospel and accept it in faith, man doesn't live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. So, in other words, you do receive blessings not only for now, but also for eternity by being on the receiving end of the Lord's word a word that remains with you and becomes more meaningful. All the time until you experience the fullness of it on the new earth. Where the Lord himself will be your portion forevermore. And so we need to create moments, brothers and sisters, in which we can meet God in his word and through prayer. If you are through with always feeling so busy... The best direction God's Word gives you is, devote yourselves to the Word. Public worship services, private worship, how much time you devote is something between you and the Lord, although accountability with another is never a bad thing. I'm reminded here of what Martin Luther once wrote, I have so much to do today that I'm going to need to spend three hours in prayer, in order to be able to get it all done, well, we need not become legalistic about this, nor become discouraged if we do struggle to maintain a consistent devotional time. What is going to cause us to grow and become more disciplined is by us seeing and believing that listening to our Lord is indeed the good portion. You have to see it and believe that the best way to be busy is with sitting at his feet, being busy there. Whether it's three hours or 30 minutes or even just 13 at a time, there is no discipline that brings more peace and joy and contentment in your life than sitting at the feet of your king. We can give up our distractions, our busyness for him, because he gave up his life for us. So take time to grow in knowledge and understanding of the ways of the Lord. That's choosing the good portion. We have to be hearers before we are doers. Let that shape our priorities, our schedules, the time we get up in the morning and the time we go to bed at night. For the benefits are outstanding and everlasting. Brothers and sisters, one thing is necessary, says the Lord, listening. This is what the Lord cares about. Those other aspects, serving the Lord, that's great. But you have to listen first. Open your ears. And then in faith, feast upon his word. For the only thing more important than you serving God is being served. The bread of life. Amen.